start slow and you keep going and then you take a day off and then you keep going again and you keep going and, and over time you're able to build up to where you can run 3.1 miles. And so I remember the first time I ever ran a 5k, just this feeling of elation and accomplishment when I finished my first race. I wasn't fast, but I finished. And I hope that tonight that you'll get that same sense of um, excitement and accomplishment as you finish up this series that you guys have been in called the, the book of First John. Uh, talking about shining your light on authentic Christianity. Uh, talking about walking with Jesus and shining your light. My name is Ben Field and I am an admissions counselor at Manhattan Christian College. Uh, really excited to be here tonight. A couple things about myself. Uh, number one, I'm a huge fan of Kansas basketball, a big Kansas Jayhawk fan. Yeah. yeah so I love KU. I'm a big fan of uh, Diet Mountain Dew, kind of a random fact. And uh, last, but definitely not least, I'm getting married this summer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very excited. I don't have a picture of me and my fiance, but if you find me afterwards, I'd be glad to show you a picture. Because I'm very excited. Um, so Manhattan Christian College, we're a small little private Christian college across the street from Kansas State University. Uh, we'll train you up for ministry. Got a dual degree program with Kansas State. If that's something that interests you, awesome. We'd love to talk to you about it. If you're like Ben, please stop talking. Don't worry. We're about to get into the sermon. Uh, we just want to see you live for Jesus Christ wherever you go to school. And some of you are seniors, and, and I hope that wherever you end up, you get plugged into a church, you get plugged into a campus ministry, and that you chase hard after Jesus in college. That's our desire. And for some of you that aren't even thinking about college yet, stay plugged in here. Stay connected. Be bought into what's going on. This is a special place. People are coming to know Jesus here, and, and we're really excited uh, to be with you tonight. If you'd open your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5 tonight, beginning in verse 1. 1 John 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Point number one tonight is that our faith begins with our belief in Jesus. I want you to think about when you first made a decision to follow Jesus. For some of you, maybe it's when you were a little kid and you were in Sunday school some of you, maybe it was this year, maybe this is the year that you decided, hey, I'm going to repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died and rose again for me, and I'm going to live for him. Maybe that was this year. Maybe some of you are still on the fence, and you're not really sure to, what to think of this whole Jesus thing, uh, but you like coming, and you like what you hear, and you love the community that you have here. But for those of you who are Christians, please get this. When you came to Jesus, that's not the end of your faith journey. It's just the beginning. And you got to ask yourself, does my life look different now that I follow Jesus than it did before? If you came to, to Christ as a little kid, there might not have been a drastic change. I don't know. Maybe you were dealing drugs in third grade. You know, no judgment here. Hopefully you've changed your life. But when you come to know Jesus, you see a change. Because your life isn't about yourself anymore and you want to live for God in all that you do. I've known some people in my life who, who said a prayer uh, when they were a little kid. They said a prayer to Jesus to save them. Uh, but they viewed Christianity as a get-out-of-hell-free card. They prayed the prayer, and for them, that was the end. And that's not how it's supposed to be. 
I told you a little bit ago, I'm getting married this summer. And think of your relationship with Jesus as being like a wedding. I'm getting married this summer, but, but that's not the end of my relationship with Casey. That's the beginning. It's the beginning of our lifelong journey together as a, as a couple, as a husband and a wife. And our wedding day is not the culmination of, a, of an event, but it's the beginning of what we're going out to do. And for me, everything's going to be different after I get married. Before, it was just uh, my life and me, but now it's all about me and Casey. And so that's kind of how it is when we follow Jesus. Your life doesn't look the same anymore. And when you believe, that's just the beginning because Jesus changes everything about your life. And when you're born again, you are born into a big family of believers. We're going to love you and support you and help you on your journey with Christ. I was a youth pastor in Kansas City for a few years um, before I started at Manhattan Christian College last fall. And there was a kid in our youth group last year named Garrett. And Garrett is a really athletic kid, very talented basketball player, and he was about six feet tall, and he started bragging to us about how he could dunk. And so we're a little bit skeptical. We're like, we, you've got hops, but I don't know if you can jump like that. And so Garrett kept saying, no, you know, I, I can dunk. I promise you I can dunk. And so what's the thing that you tell your friend if he's bragging about something and you don't believe him? Prove it. Prove it. So we said, prove it, Garrett, and he could dunk a tennis ball. But he couldn't dunk a basketball. Does that count? No, it doesn't count. If y'all play basketball with a tennis ball, it counts. He never specified what he could dunk. Garrett would love you. But if you're here and you call yourself a Christian, you've got to prove it. I didn't say that you have to earn it because you could never earn salvation. You could never earn a free gift. But I'm saying that you've got to prove that you're a Christian. And how do we do that? We prove our faith by applying our faith. The evidence of our faith is a life that has been radically changed by Jesus. Because when you think about it, believing in Jesus without living for Jesus is not Christianity. It's fraud. It's counterfeit. It's a caricature of what it's really supposed to be. Because if you believe in Jesus, but you don't live for him, and you don't have anything to do with him in your life, that's hypocrisy. And that discredits Christianity. I don't know about you, but I love a good garage sale. Do we have any garage sailors in here? It is so fun to rummage through other people's stuff that they don't want, and to buy things that you don't need. I'm just saying, when I go to a garage sale, it's giving the people what they want. That's what I want, garage sale. So I, I go to this garage sale. I'm a junior in high school. I was a little chubby at the time. I'm a little chubby now. Pray for me. But I, but I see something at this garage sale that was going to change my life. You ever seen something? You look at it, and all of a sudden, it's like the sky's open, and you hear the hallelujah chorus, like, da, 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 da. Like, it's like, it will be mine. And so I see something that's called the Ab Lounge. And there were infomercials for this thing called the Ab Lounge back in the day. And the premise is, hey, if you buy this Ab Lounge and you use it three times a week, you are going to get ripped out of your mind and all the ladies are going to want you. And so I see this Ab Lounge. I'm, it's time. <laughs> and so I get the Ab Lounge. I set it up in my parents' basement. And, and day one, I, I go down there. I go, one, 
two, three. And so I, I did the workout and I kid you not, after one ab lounge workout, I took my shirt off, walked into the bathroom and looked in the mirror. That's called stupid. Because it takes a little bit longer than that. But that was one workout. Didn't see any results. But hey, I'm not discouraged. Because tomorrow's day two. And so it's day two. Go downstairs. Ah! Six pack. Ah! And so day two. I took my shirt off again. I don't know what was going on with me in high school. But I take my shirt off. Go to the bathroom mirror. I'm like, ah. Got some work to do. And so then I, I worked out the, you know, the third day. And then the fourth day comes. And I really deserve a day off. You know what I mean? I've been working really hard. So I took the, the fourth day off and then the fifth day comes and I felt like I needed a rest day from the rest day. I needed like an additional day of recovery. And so I took another day. The, the moral of the story is I stopped using the ab lounge and I never got a six pack. Why was the problem with the ab lounge? No, it was me. I said that I wanted to get in shape, but I didn't change anything about my life to make that happen. You can say one thing, but you've actually got to do what you say. I needed to prove it, that I was serious about getting into shape. I told my friend Tim that I was done with the ab lounge, and Tim said, hey, man, I'll take it. And so I gave it to him, and I thought, oh, Tim's finally going to use this ab lounge. I'm so happy. And it just sat in his basement, too. And I'm afraid that way too many of us tend to leave our faith in the basement of our lives. We don't do anything with it. In the verses that we're about to read, the Bible tells us specifically how we are to prove our faith as Christians. Let's go back to the text. Verse 2. This is how we know, or in case of tonight, this is how we prove that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Number two, our faith proves itself through love. It's all about loving God and loving his kids. I've got some good friends in Kansas City named Oren and Carrie Shelton. And I just am very close to them. Oren has been a buddy of mine for several years. And they have two little kids. And they're the cutest little things. They've got a little boy named Mason, who's four. And they've got a little girl named Sloan, who is two. And these are just the cutest kids. And, and I love his kids. But what if I didn't? What if whenever I would go to Oren and Carrie's house, I would always be like, them again? Like, he's a little brat. What are you doing with him? And she cries all the time. Like if, if I did that, we wouldn't be friends because part of the way that I show that I love Oren and that I love Carrie is that I love their kids. And that's the same way it is with God. We show our love for God by loving others. Did you notice that loving God and keeping his commandments are linked together? The text shows us how we prove our love for God. Have any of you ever heard of the love languages quiz before? Yes. yes. Okay. It shows you how you can show love to, to a partner or to another person. There are some people who you give them a hug, you made their day. There are other people, you give them a hug, they're like, get out of my face. How many of our huggers in here? Like, give me a hug, I'm doing good. How many of you are like, please, a high five and I'm okay. 
So we, we all receive love in different ways. And there are five primary love languages for how people receive love. And I'm not here to tell you how you can best show love to a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even a, a friend for that matter. But I do want to show you how you can show your love for God. So these are the five love languages. There's gift giving. Some people really love it if you give them a gift. Others, you know, it doesn't really do it for them. The, the second is quality time. There, there's words of affirmation. Some people, you, you know, they really live off of encouragement. It really helps them to keep going. Uh, the, the fourth is acts of service. Uh, some people are like, hey, you can say whatever you want, but if you serve me, that's how I really receive love. And the fifth is physical touch. We talked about people that like to hug and people that don't. And so what's the best way that we can show God that we love him? What is God's love language? The love language of Jesus is obedience. Service, very close. That's it. That's, that's the love language of Christ. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. That's how we prove that we love God, by being obedient to his word. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, because no one can ever be perfect. But what we can do is strive to live day by day, moment after moment, to live more and more like Jesus. We prove our faith through loving God and loving others. We prove our faith by being obedient to God, even when it's hard. Jesus had a brother named James, and James wrote a book in the Bible, and he said that faith without works is dead. He didn't say faith without works isn't the best kind of faith. He didn't say, faith without works is on life support. He didn't say, faith without works is junior varsity faith. No, he said, faith without works is dead. I'm someone that likes to listen to, to podcasts or sermons, you know, when I'm driving around in my car. Um, because I, I love to preach and I love to listen to preachers. And, and it helps nourish my soul and it helps me to, to develop as a communicator. But if I'm not careful... I can think that I'm being a great Christian just because I listen to sermons. For example, God, God could not care less if you listen to Christian music in your car, but you treat your girlfriend like garbage. You're not being obedient to God. God could not care less if, if you read Love Does by Bob Goff, but you're rude to people at your school. God wants you to hear his word and obey it. The text says that his commands are not burdensome. And what does that mean? What it means is that although obeying, obeying God can seem really, really hard sometimes, he always has our best interests at heart. God knows the best way for us to live, and if we follow his plan, we, we are not going to screw up our own lives. It might be challenging. There are times it's tough, but it's always worth it. Because sin has consequences, and God knows that if we follow him and do things his way, we will steer clear of a lot of unintended hurt that we never wanted to happen. Back to our text, verses 4, and I'm going to read verse 5 as well. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Point number three, our faith proves itself through perseverance. Are you a good news, 
first or bad news first type of crowd? Let's figure, who's my bad news first? Okay, that's what we'll go with then. I'm always a bad news first kind of guy. Have you ever felt beat up by life? Yeah, yeah, sometimes life's really hard. We're going to start with the bad news. And that's the bad news. Life is hard. It is. Maybe your parents got divorced recently, and this has been the hardest year of your life, hands down. Maybe you're battling with depression and anxiety, and you don't even really know why, but every single day is just a struggle. And regardless, everyone in this room at some point or another knows that life can be really, really tough. And so that's the bad news. Life can be really challenging. But the good news is that Jesus is with you, and he's not going anywhere. Some people think that, that, you know, when I become a Christian, you know, God is going to rain down all of his blessings on me. Life's going to be perfect. There will be background singers that follow me wherever I go. You know, birds chirping in the air. Life's going to be beautiful. And that's just not how it works. And as a matter of fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And because of Jesus, it's not, it's not because of ourselves, but it's because of Jesus that Christians are overcomers. We prove our faith is the real deal when we stick with Jesus through the ups and the downs of life. The power of Jesus is inside of the Christian, and he'll keep you going, even when life is hard. I've got a friend named Andrew, and he is a great guy. He's funny. He's athletic. He's kind. He's the type of dude that just everybody loves. And Andrew's an overcomer. Andrew's mom died shortly after he was born. And his dad remarried a year or two later. Um, But when Andrew was in third grade, Andrew's dad was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And he passed away that year. But for Andrew, instead of letting the loss of his parents turn him into an angry and bitter young man, Andrew was very involved in his church. He leaned on his siblings his stepmom, and most importantly, as Andrew grew up, he he learned to lean on Jesus. And Andrew is an overcomer, and it's not because of Andrew, it's because of Jesus. And that's how all Christians are called to be. We prove our faith through perseverance. So we've got two quick takeaways for you tonight. Your your theme for this series is light, you know, shining light on authentic Christianity. And and so takeaway number one is to shine your light. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, shine your light. Okay, you guys say shine your light, a three-word phrase, way longer than I've ever heard it said. But that... We like to talk. Me too. I feel you. But that's application point number one is shine your light. Jesus said, Jesus said, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. I want to read to you a story that was written in Sports Illustrated a couple years ago. It's it's, it's a short story, but, but it's a really good example of Christians who are shining their light in a dark world. They played the oddest game in high school football history last month. This is a few years ago. Down in Grapevine, Texas. It was Grapevine Faith versus Gainesville State School, and everything about it was upside down. For instance, when Gainesville came out to take the field, the Faith fans made a 40-yard spirit line for them to run through. Did you hear that? The other team's fans made a, a spirit line. 
They even made a banner for players to crash through at the end, and it said, Go Tornadoes! Which is also weird, because faith is the, the Falcons. I wouldn't expect another parent to tell somebody to hit their kids, but they wanted us to. The Gainesville quarterback said this, I never in my life thought that I would hear people cheering for the visiting team. And even though faith walloped them 33-14, to 14, the Gainesville kids were so happy that after the game, they gave head coach Mark Williams a sideline squirt bottle shower like they had just won state. It's got to be the first ever Gatorade bath for an 0-9 coach. But then you saw the 12 uniformed officers escorting the 14 Gainesville players off the field, and 2 plus 2 started to make 4. They lined the players up in groups of five, handcuffs ready in their back pockets, and marched them to the team bus. That's because Gainesville is a maximum security correctional facility 75 miles north of Dallas. Every game it plays is on the road. This all started when Faith's head coach, Chris Hogan, wanted to do something kind for the Gainesville team. Faith had never played Gainesville before, but they already knew what the score was going to be. After all, Faith was 7-2. and two. They had a really good football team, and Gainesville was 0-8, and, and it only scored two touchdowns the whole season. Faith had 70 kids, 11 coaches, the latest equipment, and many involved parents. Gainesville had a lot of kids with convictions for drugs, assault, and robbery, many of whose families had disowned them, wearing seven-year-old shoulder pads and ancient helmets. So Hogan had this idea. What if half of our fans, for one night only, what if we cheered for the other team? He sent out an email asking the faithful to do just that. Here's the message I want you to send, said Coach Hogan. You are just as valuable as any other person on planet Earth. Some people were naturally confused. One faith player walked into Hogan's office and asked, Coach, why why are we doing this? And Coach said, imagine if you didn't have a home life. Imagine if everyone had pretty much given up on you. Now imagine what it would mean for hundreds of people to suddenly believe in you. Next thing you know, the Gainesville Tornadoes were turning around on their bench to see something that they had never seen before. Fans, hundreds of them, and actual cheerleaders. I thought maybe they were confused, said Alex, a Gainesville lineman. They started yelling defense when their team had the ball. I said, what? Are they cheering for us? It was a strange experience for boys who most people cross the street to avoid. We can tell that people are a little afraid of us when we come to the games, says Gerald, a lineman who will wind up doing more than three years. You can see it in their eyes. They're looking at us like we're criminals, but these people, they were yelling for us. By our names. Maybe it figures that Gainesville played the best game that it had played all season. They scored two touchdowns. And of course, this might be because Hogan had put his third string nose guard at safety and his third string quarterback at defensive end, but still. After the game, both teams gathered in the middle of the field to pray, and that's when Isaiah surprised everybody by asking to lead. We had no idea what this kid was going to do, says Coach Hogan. But Isaiah said this, Lord, I don't know how this happened, so I don't know how to say thank you, but I never would have known that there were so many people in the world that cared about us. 
And it was a good thing that everyone's heads were bowed because there were a lot of tears in that huddle. As the tornadoes walked back to their bus under guard, they were handed a big bag for the ride home with a burger, some fries, a soda, some candy, a Bible, and an encouraging letter from a faith player. The Gainesville coach saw Hogan after the game, grabbed him by the shoulders and said, you will never know what your people did for these kids tonight. You'll never, ever know. That is shining your light. And so how do you shine your light at your school? How do you shine your light on your team? What does that look like? It looks like showing love to the kid that doesn't have a lot of friends at school. It's refusing to cheat on assignments at school when everyone else does. It's praying for your enemies and being kind to people that are rude to you. It's making Jesus and your youth group involvement a priority in your life. It's being respectful to the people that God has put in authority over your life, even when it's hard, even when you think they're wrong. It's giving 100% effort on the soccer field, in the classroom, in the marching band. It's giving your best and giving God the glory. It's being an encouragement to those around you. It's not just talking about Jesus, but it's showing people Jesus in your life. That's how you shine your light. And our second application point is don't give up. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you want to quit. You feel like quitting on your faith. You feel like quitting on your friends. You feel like just throwing in the towel. And I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Don't quit. God has brought you this far and he is not leaving you. Mike Tyson said that, that, that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And life is like that sometimes. You get punched in the mouth. But how are you going to respond? Because a persevering faith is a faith that gets up off the mat and keeps following Jesus. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up. I should have learned from the first time I did that. But come back, come back to me. Christians are called to be tough. And I'm not talking tough in the sense of a macho man who walks around with his chest puffed out and says, hey, you're looking at me. I'm, I'm talking about tough in the sense that whatever life throws your way, you're going to remain faithful to God. You cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. And Christians should respond with love and grit and model perseverance for a watching world. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If you're tired, if you're exhausted, if you feel weary, talk to someone. Lean on your brothers and sisters in Christ, but, but whatever you do, do not give up. Jesus is worth it. The gospel is worth it. Stay in the game. Shine your light. Don't give up. Keep living for Jesus and reaching Topeka with the greatest message the world has ever heard. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you so much. 
We're so grateful for the opportunity that we had to, to come together tonight and to, um, to, to sing to you, to play some games, to have some fun, and to hear from your word. God, I pray that every, everyone in this room would, would be a person that shines their light for you and a person that doesn't give up. God, I thank you for these kids. I know that there are some that are discouraged right now. I pray that you would encourage them. Give them people in their life that will lift them up when they feel like they can't go on anymore and let them be that to other people when they're able to as well. It's in Jesus' name that we gather. It's in Jesus' name that I preach. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. One of the things that Ben said that I just want to kind of reemphasize, um, he asked this question. It says, does my life look different than it did before I accepted Christ? I think that's a good question for us to ponder. <laughs> when you look back at your life before you met Christ, does your life look different now than it did then? Because it should. The way we love should should look different. The way we interact with people should look different. No. First John has been, it's it's been a really fun book (laughs) to go through with you guys, but it's also been very convicting for me. Um, There's a lot of stuff in there that is not easy. But this whole idea of shining light on authentic Christianity, that's something that we need to work on. It's something that we need to do better at. And I just want to read one verse to you as a kind of a standing out as we um, leave here and we, we go to small groups. Matthew five fourteen. You are the light of the world. Okay, don't read over that. Think about it. You, you can insert your name there. Tim is the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. That makes no sense. (laughs) That's silly. (laughs) Why would you light a lamp and then hide it? Because remember what we talked about, what does light do? One of the things that light does is it eliminates darkness. So Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. Why? So it gives light to everyone in the house. He says, in the same way, and Ben just quoted this a second ago, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. Your peers, your friends, your teachers, your parents, 
they're watching you and how you're living your life. When they see your, your deeds and your works, do they glorify God because of that? Or do they say, oh, that's what a Christian does? Hmm. I don't want anything to do with that. You are the light of the world. And as you leave here, and as you go to your small groups, and as you go back to your homes, and as you go to school tomorrow, let your light shine before others. I want to be known as a student ministry full of students who are letting their light, who are letting their light shine. And I think if we do that, we can see something that our lead pastor Joe's been praying for for years that I've been praying for that we can see a great awakening happen here in Topeka. But it starts with you. And it starts with me. And it starts with us letting our light shine before others. I love you guys. Um, remember high schoolers, guys, stay back here for a second. Um, if you're new, you don't know where your small group is, come find me and I will take you to your small group. Love you guys, and we will see you next week.